So hello there friends and welcome to episode 121 of the Movement and Mindfulness podcast. I'm Erica and today we're going to be talking about the lies of the Instagram yogi. I am being intentionally provocative with that title but we're going to dive into that topic right after this. Hi and welcome to the Movement and Mindfulness podcast with me Erica Webb of Erica Webb Yoga and Pilates. In this podcast, I, along with my guests, will explore what it means to move as an act of self-kindness and self-discovery. We'll look at the ways movement, mindset, and mindfulness support us to be and do the things we so desire in the world. I truly believe that movement has the ability to expand our capacity to show up for the things that are important to us. And I'm here to help you embrace the idea of movement as a powerful tool for wellness, rather than just another thing you think you should be doing. I'm thrilled you're here. Let's do this. So hey there, friends. As I mentioned, episode 121. And first up, before we dive into this intentionally provocative topic of, um, you know, the lies of the Instagram yogi, just letting you know that I am sitting in a different place than usual. The sound might be a little bit off because I am sitting in a very big open room rather than in my closed in you know, study with lots of books on the walls that usually dampens the sound a little bit. So um, hopefully this sounds okay. So as I said, intentionally provocative title here, The Lies of the Instagram Yogi. And this was really inspired by a scroll through Instagram, which probably surprises no one. Um, It's been a really long time since I have just searched a really generic yoga related hashtag. Um, And if you're not super familiar with Instagram, that is something that you can do, right? So people hashtag their posts and those hashtags um, are searchable. So if you just type in yoga into the search bar on Instagram, you will get all of the posts pop up on your page that have hashtagged yoga. Um, And it can be a way of finding new content that relates to stuff that you're interested in. Um, You know, I, I think I follow some hashtags around like cakes and cookies because that's something that I like Um, and I think I have like a few interior design hashtags that I follow so it's a way of kind of like curating information Um, but it's been a really long time since I have just done a bit of a, a general look at the yoga hashtag on Instagram and I did that to inspire this this podcast episode um because I'm really conscious of the fact that I exist in a very quiet corner of the yoga world or the movement world. It's getting louder, but it is a small corner relative to the mainstream. And, but I have curated my experience to very much fit in line with, you know, what I enjoy and what I know and what I like. And so I'm not seeing sort of this general information that goes out all that often. I'm seeing information that is much like the information that I share, um, because I'm hanging out in spaces where that is the norm. But when, what I want to talk about today is a little bit of a few things that I just want to, um, have us all be mindful of when we're consuming any kind of yoga information on the internet, whether it be Instagram or anywhere else, because it can be very easy to fall into a place of using that information to feel badly about ourselves rather than for the reason that we sorted out in the first place, which is to feel good. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And I'm really conscious of 
you know, certainly not wanting to um, blame or shame or name any um, particular accounts. I'm, I'm not doing that at all. This is really just, you know, the grid that pops up when you pop in the, the hashtag and a few of the things that I've noticed and that I want to share with you so that, you know, as you're um, finding information for yourself, as you're making decisions about how to use this information, um, you're doing that with a real appreciation, I suppose, of how that makes you feel. Um, and how useful and usable and relevant it is for you. So let's dive in. I'm just going to go over a few points. This isn't going to be a particularly long episode, but the first thing I want to point out is that aesthetics are just aesthetics, right? So the first thing that is abundantly clear with this hashtag search on Instagram is that, you know, yoga on Instagram is very aesthetic, It is a lot of tight lycra. It is a lot of bikinis. It is a lot of um, very extreme body positions that are A, inaccessible for most people and B, generally not that useful for most people. That is a general statement and we will dive into that a little bit more, but understand that aesthetics are not anything more than aesthetic you know, something visual. Aesthetics do not correlate with a feeling of wellness. Aesthetics do not correlate with virtue. Aesthetics don't correlate with being pain-free. And they don't correlate with what we should aspire to. And I think this is really important because aesthetics can be very alluring, right? Like we are visual people. We like things that look good. You know, we, we're drawn in by the colors. We're drawn in by this seemingly um, almost, um, I was going to say inhuman, but it's humans doing it. So it's not inhuman, but this very um, extreme way that people can use their bodies. It can be very beautiful, um, but it also isn't reflective of, you know, reality. Um, people who are flexible, we tend to think that that means that they are feeling good, that they are pain-free, that they are strong, that they are, you know, insert whatever descriptive word you'd like. But what I really want to, um, you know, point out is that aesthetics, they don't correlate with any of those things necessarily. The same is true in the opposite direction, right? So we might look at that person doing the splits and think, oh, well, they don't have tight hamstrings. Here's a little secret. There is a very good chance that in not all, but some of those people, they still experience the sensations related with tight hamstrings because it's not that, you know, the sensation of tightness isn't actually reflective of of how flexible we are. Um, That's a different conversation that we might have on a different day, but understand that just because we see something that looks you know, we, we, I guess we have like these ideas about what that means and they don't always hold true. So just because somebody can do some pretty wild positions with their body, it doesn't mean that they necessarily feel the way they want to feel in their body. And that's really important because if we are aspiring to be able to do what they do and we're doing that based on this assumption that they maybe feel good as they're doing it, 
Um, what happens if we, you know, work and work and work to get there and we realize that we don't feel any better once we get there either. So understand that aesthetics are not a, you know, are not a sign of how that person feels. And I'm sort of mentioned, this is goes in the other direction too. You know, we could, um, see somebody walking down the street with what we deem to be a really poor posture and think, oh, that person must be in so much pain. That's not necessarily true. Um, it is just aesthetic. Sometimes, yes, they will be in discomfort and maybe their posture gives us a few clues of, you know, where we could look. Um, but it is too simplistic to suggest that, um, you know, flexibility equates to, to well-being um, and, you know, the little hunched over sort of posture correlates to pain. It's just not that simple. Um, so, yeah, that's number one. Aesthetics are not, a, are not a good indicator of anything other than aesthetics, right? And I think that one of the things that comes from this is that there is no virtue attached to our ability to move our body and to make shapes with our body. Zero virtue. You are not a better person because you can do the splits, just like you are not a lesser person because you can't touch your toes. Why we've come to believe this is kind of beyond me, but if you sit with that for a second, you'll realize that there is a kernel of truth in, in the recognition that we believe that on some level. Right. We might be like, no, that of course, of course, of course not. But when we look at these pictures, you know, there is there's stuff tied up in that. There's beliefs tied up in that. And none of us are immune to it. You know, I know I certainly feel more immune to it now than I ever have in my life before. Um, But it can be a very quick way to sort of derail us from what it is that we actually want. Um, So keep in mind that what you're interested in, and I'm making an assumption here, but if you're listening to this podcast, I think what you're interested in is probably amongst other things, living with more ease, just being able to move through life with as much ease as possible, feeling capable, feeling well, that is not going to necessarily be achieved by being able to do really extreme things with your body. All right. So important to keep that in mind. Um, if you want to do some extreme things with your body, I'm not going to tell you no. Um, I'm probably not the right coach for you, but I'm not going to tell you no. Um, so there's there's nothing inherently good or bad about it, right? But we have to recognize that we can be lured into um, believing that there's something um, magical about it, and, and there's not. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that I want to um, point out that very often we are kind of fed information about like, these are the five magic poses to fix your low back pain, or here's um, two poses to um, alleviate hip pain. Now I do posts like this as well, right? I post about um, stuff like that too. But what I want you to recognize is that oftentimes when we, when we do this scroll, and this is based on, on what's just popped up on my feed. So like I said, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to sort of call out any, any actual accounts or anything like that. It's not about that. But when we look at, you know, there's a post with nine different images on it, basically talking about, do these, do these to release your low back pain. Looking at that, I know 
that there will be bodies that when they go to do those poses, it hurts more, not less. Does that mean that the, the body doing that is the problem? Or does it mean that there's missing information? Absolutely, it means that there's missing information. You are not the problem. All right, so it, it is so easy to come across a post or something that says, just do these five poses and you will be fixed. If you try that and it feels crappy, please understand that it is not you that is the problem. There is so much nuance. There is so much information between, you know, you have back pain, here's your fix. There's a lot of missing information in between those two points. What, but we are so, but we are so quick to believe that we are the problem, right? It's like, well, I tried the thing and it didn't work, so it must be me. It isn't you. We hear it all the time, hopefully, but maybe not. We hear it all the time, this idea of like not trying to change your body to fix a pose, but trying to sort of modify the pose to fit your body. We hear this, but we still kind of are like, yeah, but I wouldn't mind just doing the pose and I'm going to do whatever I can with my body to make it work. Um, and, and (laughs) this is kind of fed by these posts that are so aesthetically focused. You might see a post about like, if you can't do this pose, try this. And the implication or the, um, implication, that's not the right, um, word, but the implied sort of message in that is that you know, we're still aiming for that more complex pose. And oftentimes the options that are presented to us in these sorts of posts, all of them are pretty extreme. All of them go beyond what most people presenting with low back pain or hip problems can actually access. So please understand that you are not the problem if you're using this content and finding that it doesn't do what it says on the back of the pack, right? Um, So often what we need as human bodies is incredibly simple in terms of, I'm not saying easy. So please understand the difference between, you know, it's simple, not easy. So often the place that we need to start is with the very basics, the very bare bones. And it's not sexy. It's not um, aesthetically all that interesting to look at but it's the stuff that's going to support us to feel good. Um, And sometimes that's like, we're disappointed by that because we're like, but I'd rather do the things that look really kind of cool. And um, surely it must be more complicated because if it was simple, I would have done it by now. I think that, you know, this sort of idea of the Instagram yogi, it can lure us into believing um, that we're the problem because we can't fit ourselves to these complex poses and it's just not true so that's kind of all I really want to point out I guess um is to recognize that you know (laughs) while these posts and these poses might be beautiful for most of us it's not what we really need to feel well um as I said there's no problem with aspiring to those things if that's what you want but be mindful of why you know Um, 
I used to take a lot of pride in some of the kind of more extreme things that I could do. I've never been a particularly flexible person, to be honest. I'm not a real stretchy person at all. Um, but I could do, you know, really fun arm balances and headstands and things like that. And I still get some pleasure out of doing things like that. I don't do them as often. Um, but none of them particularly make me feel good in my body beyond a sense of playfulness and fun. When it comes to actually feeling capable of like everyday things, the stuff that works for that is far less grandiose. It's far more simple. Um, So if I leave you with one thing, let it be that you are not the problem, right? That you are um, perfect as you are. And that perfection doesn't mean that there's no room to, um, you know, create change that's going to support you to feel better than you do. But we don't have to um, aspire to things that essentially end up making us feel either worse about ourselves or worse in ourselves for the sake of aesthetics. Because the aesthetics, they're nothing more than, than a visual representation of something. So I had notes for this <laughs> and I still don't feel like I was able to hit um, the points with as much clarity as I would have liked because I think that there's so much um, there's so much baked into all of this. But if you do find yourself following fairly generic hashtags on Instagram or, you know, having these things pop up for you because they get recommended and suggested, please just keep these things in mind. Um, because the very thing that we go to to feel good about ourselves, to feel well in our body, to feel, you know, capable, um, we don't want those very same things to be kind of making us feel bad about ourselves. Um, it's a very fine line and that's one thing, you know, I, I love Instagram. I, I really enjoy it as a platform. Um, I have a lot of friends on Instagram, but I'm also very conscious of the fact that I have curated an experience. I have surrounded myself with things that make me feel good. And it's not about, you know, um, I'm always mindful when I say, you know, just the things that make me feel good. I'm always mindful of the fact that I'm not, um, I'm not perpetuating this sort of toxic positivity that can so often be, um, present in the wellness space. Um, I'm open to being, you know, contradicted and I'm, I'm fine with challenge and I'm fine with, um, I'm, I recognize that, you know, sometimes I have to be uncomfortable. So I'm not always chasing the feel good. Um, but I'm also not going to surround myself with things that make me feel like crap. All right. So if I ever find myself following, um, someone or some, some hashtag or some page that consistently makes me doubt myself or consistently makes me, um, feel less than, or consistently makes me angry, then I stop following them. (laughs) Um, and that should be true for all of us. And that should be true whether you, you know, have to unfollow, you know, me, um, that is everybody's 
right and prerogative is to kind of like curate your social media experience so that it is something that is actually helpful. Um, so that's what I'm going to leave it at. I was going to do a little series on um, low back pain, which now seems ironic given <laughs> this conversation around, you know, try these five foot poses for your back pain. But um, we might start that next week. We will see. Stay tuned and see what's coming next. I hope that you are doing um, well. I would love to know what you think about this idea of the lies of the Instagram yogi. Did any of this help? Did it resonate? Do you have questions? Do you have, um, you know, anecdotes that you would like to share? As always, I do so love to hear from you. Uh, you can come over and find me on Instagram. I'm at Erica Webb Yoga. Same over on Facebook. And the website is ericawebbyoga.com.au. All right. Until next week, keep being kind to yourself and I'll talk to you then. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Movement and Mindfulness podcast. I hope you loved it. And if you did, maybe share it with a friend who would love it too. And I'd also be so grateful if you'd take the time to subscribe, rate and review the show. It makes such a difference to get that feedback. And if you're over on social media, why not come and find me? You'll find me at Erica Web Yoga on both Instagram and Facebook. And over on my website, you'll find access to some free resources, including free classes that will help you to move well, feel well, and most importantly, move with kindness. Over there, you'll also find more information about joining me inside the Mindful Movement Virtual Studio, which is my home of kind movement, yoga, Pilates, and somatics to help you move well, feel well, and all with kindness. Until next time, I hope you're having a great day. I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.